0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast, an informative podcast that explores a variety
1: of teaching and educational experiences while still offering insights into improving and upskilling teachers. Join your host, Todd Broadbent, as he explores the wide and varied lives of educators from every sector, exploring fundamental concepts that are pivotal to good teaching while also discussing the lighter side of the educational sector. Welcome. To The Toddcast, The Teacher
0: Podcast.
1: For the 28th episode of The Toddcast, The Teacher Podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing Nathan Vandermon. Nathan has been teaching for 13 years in both secondary and primary schools in various teaching and leadership roles. Nathan is currently an acting principal in Victoria. Nathan also has a huge presence on Instagram sharing his teaching and leadership journey. Throughout this episode, Nathan will be sharing his educational journey, the reason why he decided to become a teacher, the difference between teaching secondary and primary, how to go about moving into a new school, his leadership journey and experiences PL readings required to be a leader, building a positive relationship with parents, balancing his teaching career and being a dad, Instagram, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Nathan. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. How are you? I am
0: very good. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me.
1: It's uh, a privilege to have you on. I must say I've been following you over the last probably three or four years on Instagram. And I love seeing all your things and I love seeing how passionate you are for teaching and education. So, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful to have you on the Toddcast today. Well, I'm looking forward to having a chat. Beautiful. We'll get underway. Have you had a highlight of the day today?
0: Oh, I would say highlight of my day today was playing down ball like four square at lunchtime on yard duty, and I just dominated today. <laughs> pretty much got everyone out and got up to king, and then the bell went. So I felt pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's always a highlight, getting out, and uh, it was a beautiful kind of day oh, here in, uh, in Bendigo today. So I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but exactly yeah, it was, the
0: same. Yep. Yeah, blue blue skies. Yep,
1: lovely. Well, yeah, it's always good getting out. And uh, going back to when you are a student, what were you like?
0: I was a very conscientious student. Like my parents, you know, instilled in me a respect for education, a real love of learning. So I definitely loved what I did. I don't know whether I was the coolest kid in, <laughs> in primary school and probably not for much of secondary, but I really loved, um, I loved learning. I loved particularly I think specialists and those extra subjects that you get to do, they're the ones that stand out in primary school, probably more than um, the classroom, but I have very distinct memories of every single primary school teacher I've had. And then through secondary, slightly less distinct, but still, um, you know, a lot of memories of projects and um, you know, the, the friendships that you have and the teachers that you have and what the classroom feels like and smells like and, um, yeah so I, I think I just really enjoyed school I just I, I think I, I was one of those students who didn't like maths very much growing up um, and I definitely did not have a growth mindset when it came to learning something new that was not a concept I was very used to getting everything pretty quickly so if something didn't come very quickly to me I thought I wasn't very good at it so now looking back as a teacher you know I guess as a student, I was somebody who gave up quickly if things weren't... Yeah, didn't come naturally to me, which I guess is a something to take to the classroom too.
1: Yeah, I love your honesty there. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and do you have a favourite moment
0: from school? Oh, favourite moment? Uh, well, I mean, everybody loves getting an award. <laughs> yep. So, I, yeah, I definitely loved that Um and I remember in grade six for graduation, that was a really big moment in education. I think I you know, I got a the Lions Club Community Award and I was just so proud of my achievements and um very, very excited. I think I took the microphone off, off the teacher <laughs> who was presenting and just wanted to say a few words of thanks to all of my primary school teachers, which I think took everyone by surprise. But um yeah, I I definitely definitely that was probably a real standout but I, I, I guess another thing has been you know the i guess another thing has been interschool school sports mm. you know i wasn't a naturally sporty student um although i found sports that i was naturally good at or that i really enjoyed by doing all of these random sports that the school would organize one of them was um danish rounders do you remember yeah <laughs> yeah yep. back in your pe days do you remember? yeah um Yeah, I just was so good at it. It was just a game that I just took to really quickly. Um, And so, yeah, going, doing that kind of thing, or I think it ends up being more baseball or T-ball in inter-school sport, but that kind of a game and getting success in a different area of school as well, that was a real standout too.
1: Yeah, I love both those moments there. Fantastic. (laughs) And then uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself, your teaching journey and what you're currently doing now.
0: Well, I... So I've been through this my 13th year in education. So I've been teaching for a little while now. I taught for six years in secondary to start with. So I was teaching mainly English. Um, I did teach, I was sort of like the token male in the art department at the time. Uh, I was the only person who knew how to use the darkroom in the in the photography area. So they needed a year nine, year 10, like an elective Teacher, so yeah, I took photography in year nine and ten for a period of time there, uh, but yeah, predominantly year eleven and twelve English I kind of got into, and then you you start getting good results with your kids, and then you guess you sort of get stuck. Mm. You, it's very very hard to move out of that space. Not that you want to move out of there immediately. It's really fun and it's very rewarding working with your elevens and twelves, but. I just got a bit stuck and I'd asked to move. I'd asked a few times if I could get into a different year level or a different subject. um, And my leaders were sort of reluctant because of the results that the kids were getting in English. And so I instead took a different sort of tack and I asked, well, could I maybe take one year off unpaid and I could just try primary school? Um, And That sort of came about because a mentor of mine had left secondary teaching to take some maternity leave and she had done a little bit of CRT work and she'd just gotten a job in primary school and she said, Nathan, you would love this. This is just so good. Um, It's nothing like we used to think, you know, so different. I think you'd really enjoy it. And I had no interest whatsoever when she she was telling me, I really honestly thought people just used glitter glue and... (laughs) <laughs> stuck bits of macaroni to bits of cardboard and I just had no idea. And, and just I just remember students vomiting in primary school or being snotty and gross or touching people like the teacher's shoes and patting me I'm sure you get, get a bit of that. I get a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I um yeah, I just didn't didn't ha- want to, but because I wanted to get out of the secondary space to kind of escape the year eleven and twelve hamster wheel i was in i yeah i took this year to try primary and my goodness i loved it it was so different to what i'd expected it was a grade five class that i went into um really beautiful school as well great staff very supportive learnt so much i was very much in the learning pit particularly the planning side of primary school that is so different Mm. to secondary and how secondary teachers plan um yeah and just just Absolutely loved it. And so I stayed there and just took on some leadership roles within the primary school, um, learning specialist, and then finally leading teacher. So yeah, teaching. I've now taught, we were just saying before, I've now officially taught prep all the way to year 12. Although the prep has been a little inadvertent, the rest of it has been, yeah, whole classes. So I've kind of uh, run the whole gamut of <laughs> you know, primary and secondary teaching yeah
1: that's wonderful, and like I think I can tell from your voice, have you enjoyed having all those different
0: experiences so far in your thirteen years? Yeah, yeah I look I'm very much somebody who I don't like living the same year twice. I've sort of made that commitment to myself where if I'm living the same thing every year, well then you're not really living a full life, so I don't mind moving around in a school every year, a different you know a different year level, um, although it's nice to consolidate your teaching practice by having the same year a couple of times Um, but that's why I think I've taken a lot of leaps you know um, when there's been gaps in leadership when someone's left for a period of time or they're on leave I've definitely put my hand up or if leadership roles have come up like in the high school I was working as a year seven coordinator Um, there were 250 year sevens (laughs) at -hmm. the time and then you know um, once you're in there then you know somebody else leaves so then you're managing a bit of year eight as well and you know organizing camps and it's just i think it's really fun to yeah to get very involved in the schools that you're part of and then and you, you reap the benefits because you have these great relationships with the staff and you know the parents really well and then your job is so much easier so yeah, I've just loved, I've loved all the different experiences. And obviously more recently, I have taken a principal role or an acting principal role um, at a school in sort of outer Eastern Melbourne and yeah, loving that too. It's been something I've wanted to do for a while and yeah, it's it's really, it's really fun learning a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And we'll, uh, we'll chat a little bit more about that uh, okay. a bit later, which I'm looking right. forward to. And uh so going back what was the reason that you decided that you wanted to be a teacher? Oh,
0: I think so it's it's funny when you look back I so my um step nana was a teacher and I really love her and she's a you know a really beautiful person um and the quintessential primary school teacher. And sometimes when I'd stay at their house for holidays, she would go into her classroom, you know, as we all know, we have to go into the classroom, mm-hmm. set up, pull something down, put up a display. And it was the most magical experience being in a classroom where you got to help put the things on the wall and, you know, help tidy up and, and look through all the art supplies. And it was just really yeah, it was just so fun having all these crafting things around and and just being, yeah, just being part of that process. And I think um, after that, I went to public school in a you know not a very wealthy area in Melbourne, and so I was very much you know education was sort of the the ticket out of that that space that I was living in, and it really made a difference when I had good teachers um particularly when I got to secondary school in primary school you don't you sort of you know every teacher's your favorite and as you move through you yeah, the world is a little bit more sunny. And I think then when I get in, got into secondary, I really noticed when I had a teacher who cared or who uh, took the time to teach me something that I needed to know. And yeah, those teachers really stood out in secondary school. Um, so I think the, those moments, probably more than anything, probably made me want to be a teacher. Probably also why I got into secondary too, because yep. it was such a fresh memory of these people who took time out to be that person for me, the person I needed when I was young. And so I wanted to do that for others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, did you feel like you modelled yourself as a teacher based on those teachers that inspired you through secondary school?
0: I think initially, yes. I think I, yeah, so much of teaching is acting anyway. I think I was, you know, first year, first few years of teaching, I had mainly year nine English. So it's not only everyone's least favorite, apart from a couple of kids. You know, they're in year nine. It's not a high priority for a lot of kids. And then you know, it's, you're a fresh teacher, and they can just smell fear. Um, so it was it was a lot of a lot of learning very quickly. You know, lots of behavior management and and learning how to sort of structure your learning and structure your classroom. But yeah, quickly, I think I rather than wanting to be those people who were important to me growing up in education. I think I started to find where my niche was and where, you know, the way I spoke to the students, that was often the way that they would, you know, the feedback I got from them, the fact that I spoke to them as if they were very intelligent, very capable, um, and they liked the way that, you know, I just from day one believed in them. And I think that's that's the, yeah, that was kind of my thing. Yeah, and I think I just sort of regressed from there and then figured out other parts of my teaching practice, the things that would make me different to other teachers. So, yeah, pursued those. I'm just trying to think back now. I'm getting a lot of, like, flashbacks (laughs) to these, like, different moments in teaching. Yeah. Yeah, and I
1: guess, yeah, a lot of the things you're saying is about, yeah, building those relationships and those really strong connections with the students. And you were mentioning before about, the teachers that uh, you felt connected to, that were the ones that, yeah, really cared about
0: you. Yeah, so I had this teacher, yeah, um, her name's Sue Clinic, and I've um, reached out to her. It was actually one of um, Kerry's, uh, you know, Wine Would Teach Out podcast. She was talking about if you've got this person, you need to reach out to these people who were the, your, you know, your ultimate teachers and tell them, tell them that they made a big difference. So I did. I tracked it down. Um, she'd since changed her name, so I had to find her on Facebook. It's probably very creepy, but I did find her and, you know, messaged her and, um, yeah, she de- she remembered me. And it was, the, it was the nicest thing. I actually gave her a gift when she taught me in year 10 and she still has it. She said, she's like, no, I, I remember you. You know, i still got this thing you gave me in year 10. And um, she taught me year 11 and 12 uh, biology. And there was something about, I think it was like cell mitosis or something to do with dna or there was something a part of biology and i just didn't i couldn't quite get it or i didn't i didn't maybe know how to explain it in a an exam um yeah and a couple of lunch times you know there was another student as well who was having the same issue she i just remember her sliding all of her stuff over on her desk in her office um and we both sit down. She's like, right, you know, here we go. We're gonna do it. And she's drawing it on bits of paper, and she's explaining it a few times. And um, yeah, and she was also interesting. You know, she was a person who you could talk to and had interesting opinions and things that you didn't necessarily agree with. Um, and you could have that adult type conversation where you're learning from somebody's, you know, the differences of of what they think and how they see the world. So. Yeah, I just felt like she was such an influential person in my education. So it's been really nice to reach out to her. And it's very nice that she remembered me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. And I think
1: what a wonderful idea to go and reach out and, and connect with her. I think that's pretty special. And I think a lot of teachers uh, would love that where students are reaching back out and connecting with their, with students that they've taught in the past. I think it's, yeah, really special.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening and there's somebody who... <laughs> was that person for you please reach out yep make yeah. their day
1: yeah 100 percent. love it and uh so what's been your greatest challenge as a teacher oh,
0: I, I think my greatest challenge has been i think oh, probably two things and they're both related one would be behavior management and that is something that is ever evolving. You can't ever say I'm good at behavior management because you get a new grade and the behavior is different and you get a new student and the behavior is different. Um, and even the same student on different days, their behavior is different. And so your, yeah, I think my knowledge of behavior management obviously now is so much better than when I started teaching and the strategies, all the tools in my toolkit, I have so many other things in there. Um, but, yeah that's that probably has been a really big thing uh for me probably the biggest challenge particularly because i was teaching in a sort of a lower socioeconomic high school when i first started behavior was you know a big issue at the time um but then again by having that experience very quickly it was either sort of a sink or swim situation so leaning on the teachers around me learning from them you know strategies that work and then yeah implementing them and practicing, and I guess the the other part of this it's also a bit of a challenge is you know when you're not you're you're not in a not necessarily good space, but you're not your best the best version of yourself that day. You go in and you're tired, or you've had a big night the night before, or you're worried about something yourself, and then you go into the classroom and you're already your that window of tolerance has just shrunk to here and you can just feel like it's not going to go well and i think for me managing that or bit, at the beginning i didn't even know what a window of tolerance was no one there's so much about your psychology and you as a teacher no one had taught me and so over the time that i've been doing professional learning and 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 working on you know why is this child behaving this way and learning about trauma and learning about um all the different parts of psychology and why we do what we do. It's helped me so much to reflect on my own teaching practice. Cause you realize, ah, oh, as a human, I'm coming in with all this other stuff too. And so you, as soon as you become conscious and aware of that, that has been a really massive help for me in the classroom. So it's not about like, why were the kids so off today? Like the kids were just off and no one was listening to me. And I, you know, I had to repeat myself a thousand times. Although, Full disclosure, if it's a full moon, (laughs) it's a very good (laughs) chance that's going to happen. Um, And sometimes in the dynamic of the classroom, it is just a weird day and it's just weird. Um, But rather than getting frustrated with myself or with the classroom, and then it just becomes this negative cycle of where you start focusing on that one student who's giving you that same negative behavior and you're like, I've realized that, oh, this is a bit of a cycle. I can see it. Now I can see it before it happens. So I can... I can do something else. I can brain break or outside or where, you know, totally changing up the lesson plan. We're not going to do what I was going to plan because I can, just, I just know that's not going to work. And so rather than trying to squish the, you know, perfectly square peg into that horribly not even round hole, um, you, yeah, you learn to be far more flexible. And I think those two things together, behavior management and then learning more about how your brain works and particularly how you are feeling when you walk into the room. Those two things um, have been a challenge, but also, yeah, a, a real strength now. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I love that. Again, thanks for your honesty. I think a lot of people listening would be kind of nodding their head and agreeing with both of those. Like we've been doing a lot of work with our grads this year. I run a bit of a grad program and a lot of it was based on they wanted to do a lot more on behavior management and learn a little bit more around that. So I can see that, yeah, a lot of people at the start of the career would be feeling that, but you're totally right. Every day is different. The students are different. The class is different. You have a different classes next year. You've got to keep going back to that uh, barrel of ideas and keep chopping and changing. I think that's why a lot of us love teaching because not every day is the same as well.
0: No, no. Like I said, I don't want the same year, but I actually never even get the same day. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, yeah, this is why I really love education because it's so unpredictable in your classroom, but that's the magic. Like, that's yeah. the really good bit. We, You know, when a kid says to you, Why is almond oil so good for skin? And you've never, ever even heard that almond oil is good for skin, but they've heard it somewhere. And then you go, I don't know. And then you, you know, go and do some research. And then all of a sudden you're on some tangent about lipids and, you know, oil structure. (laughs) And you're having this conversation like, oh, now I see. And so those, you know, bizarre, kind of completely, you know, unique sort of that alchemy of teaching. And sometimes the beauty is that it links perfectly into what you're trying to teach or, you know, you can somehow tie it into some learning outcome and it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. So it's, it's like having the plan, knowing yourself, uh, having lots of strategies and then knowing that sometimes it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: What's been your proudest moment so far as a teacher?
0: Oh well i guess i've had a few i mean teaching high school is i think primary school teachers do get this feeling but it's it's a different it's a different experience because the you know the end result of the education is so far away from when you have the kid you know there's a really big gap before they start you know graduating university or you know you see them down the street and they've had some career whereas in high school you get that really quickly So, and I think that's why year 11 and 12 is really fun to teach because very quickly they're out in the world and they're doing the things that they wanted to do. And you saw the really quick progression from um, school to the world. So I guess, you know, I have had a, you know, a a student in particular who originally wasn't thinking of teaching as a career, but really enjoyed what we did in the classroom. Um, And yeah, I just had a really good relationship with him and he after year 12 decided yeah to do teaching and he came and did learning you know teaching rounds with me and how he's a teacher um it's really special yeah to have that kind of the progression from the that student you know that student teacher kind of relationship and then you're having this kind of colleague conversations about classroom practice and and what his behavior was like in year 8 <laughs> <laughs> and now he's and now he's out teaching his own classroom so yeah, that's pretty special. Um, but then, you know, I think other little moments have been when I was teaching a grade six class. I had an opportunity to take a secondment in the Department of Education as an education improvement leader, which is sort of somebody who works at region and they might be given, I don't know, six to ten schools, and they go into all of those different schools during the week. And they, in every school, their capacity might be different. It might be, you know, professional learning for teachers or improving student outcomes or data, whatever. And so it was a really great opportunity, but it happened in the middle of the year, basically, for these grade sixes. And so I said to them, Look, I know it's this is a big year for you, but this is a really big moment for me. And I tell you to take risks and I tell you, um, you know, to to be in that learning pit. And this is an opportunity for me to do that. And they were so good about it. And I remember when I when I left, um, and I obviously I came back for graduation and everything, but um, when I left for that role, I I I have kept the cards. A few of them were just so um how described them, so mature in the way that they thought about the world and how how kind and how yeah, they were so perceptive about their own learning and how that was so they say, you know, in a few of them they said, I'm really proud of you <laughs> for taking this risk. I'm like, this is so cool, where yeah, you just get to have these really lovely moments in education that just, I don't know if they happen in other industries. I don't, I feel like healthcare might be one you do get a bit of that, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's something that really occurs much in other, other fields.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a hard one, isn't it? To, cause we haven't been in those different professions. No. Yeah. No. I guess it's such a, it's a, such a people person uh, job that we have and we're dealing with, um, really young individuals and seeing them progress and develop. And yeah, as you're saying, I don't feel like a lot of other professions would have those opportunities and seeing that growth and the development from those, yeah, those young individuals as much as we would be. Yeah.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. So
1: you were mentioning about before kind of leaving secondary and going to primary, did you have to make many teaching adjustments uh, when you made that move?
0: Uh, Yes. (laughs) um it was like learning a whole new job actually yeah um the biggest change i think was there's so many changes i think okay so one of them was parents in secondary school you basically don't deal with parents particularly year 11 and 12 very rarely do you know the parents names you don't often have like relationships or conversations even with them parent teacher interviews are really quick because the person's trying to get around to 13 different teachers you know, so they're running around the school and you get them for five minutes. Um, you, just don't, you just don't have the same relationship. And so when I started the primary school, these parents would just hang around the door and or, or want to come and talk to me in the middle of a lesson or that, you know, oh, now I just want to let you know that, you know, um, you know Jimmy, he's, uh, he's not quite eating all of his lunch at the moment. And so if you could just keep an eye on whether he's eating his salami, um, because it's really, they'd talk to me. And I'd think, are you kidding me? that's not my job. And then then they, or they'd hover around and they just wanted like, I don't know what they wanted. They just hover around. And now as a parent, and now after teaching primary, I get it. Like I get it. I was this new teacher. Um, They didn't know who I was. They wanted to see what I was like in the classroom. Um, Also, they are worried about Jimmy and his salami eating. Like they genuinely, you know, they're they're working with him at home. They want me to be on the same page. Um, And so there are so many elements to primary teaching that are not in secondary teaching. Um, I guess also the planning is insane compared to secondary. Like you do a lot of planning, but I might teach the same, you know, I might have three grade Oh, say so year nine classes, and so I'm teaching the same lesson essentially three times a week. Yeah, and you know. So the planning is totally different. Obviously, it's more assessment, particularly for English teachers. Um, but yeah, there's just not the same level of complexity when it comes to planning a primary classroom, and then not only just planning it when you get to the point of being in cl- like schools that are collaborative and they, you know, they're running PLC cycles and they're doing all these additional things for student outcomes and data and tracking and they just know the kids and it's a cohort and they're our kids and there's just so many levels to this, you know, this planning and it was really overwhelming. When I first started, I remember I had a friend of mine who was already a primary teacher just come over before I started at the primary school and said, hey, can you just bring some planners and show me? Anyway, she brought her planners and I honestly felt sick. Looking at these binders, and I was, and I said, Do you do this every week? And she's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've got there five reading and five writing, and we're doing this for spelling and we're doing this for math. And I said, But every week, do you do this planner? It's <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, we do it as a team, but you know, um, we definitely, you know, we'll bring our different strengths to the team and we collaborate. And I just honestly couldn't picture it. I had no idea. Um, but then once you get into it, and then you get the practice and you understand how that collaboration works, it's amazing what primary school teachers are doing on a daily basis. It's it's honestly staggering. And I think so many people outside of education, including secondary teachers who have never taught primary, would not understand that level of um, professionalism that's happening in primary schools. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then was it a bit of an adjustment as well to kind of having like your a few year nine classes to actually just having like your own, you said you started with grade five and having just your own grade five class. Was that an adjustment itself as well?
0: Yeah. Like number one, if you have a really difficult student, you don't not see them for two days. Yep. <laughs> they're they're there every day. Um, So that was a, that was a learning curve, but also having the same classroom was the, best part i think of primary teaching because you just knew those kids so well you knew all areas that they're learning um and the best part was you know you're having this great lesson bell rings off they go they come back in you can just continue that i don't think that happened to me once in secondary school so that bell you were just so concerned because you knew you had to wrap it up and had to be done by then because off they go and you don't see them for maybe a day or two so yeah having that that continuation of your classroom space means you can build this really rich, um, supportive learning community. You know, they genuinely are a little town in there. It's a little community where people have strengths and weaknesses and you know each other well, and it's like a little family. So yeah, that's, that's something I really love about, about primary school.
1: Yeah. And I guess I feel like I've done a little bit of a similar one. I started in PE um so having like just a class once a week and you felt like yeah a bit the same you're like you have to get this done or move to the next thing or whatever it is whereas moving into the classroom and having your own class you feel like you've got a a real deeper stronger connection with those students and you know them really really well and then yeah as you're saying if you don't get to finish something, you know, you can always come back to it after lunch or back after recess and, or if it needs to be the next day, you know, you've got some time the next day to be able to do it. So yeah, I, I understand kind of what you're saying there, Nathan.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know exactly what I mean. Um, but uh, yeah. having that space and that, that, you know, the benefit is yes, you get to decorate it, you get to organize it, you get to design it. And I loved having in my own classroom library. Um, I've always been, you know, a real lover of reading and literature and so having, you know, classroom spaces that you can actually develop a love of reading in some students who who don't currently like reading and that becomes a lifelong skill and hopefully a passion that they continue outside of your classroom that will definitely impact their life. So, yeah, there's so many elements to primary teaching that I definitely love. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent.
1: So, as you mentioned before, you're currently being an acting principal at the moment at a new school. Uh, have you enjoyed the role so far?
0: I have really loved it. It has been it has been exactly what I thought it would be and completely different to what I thought it would be. So, um, in some ways, you know, I'm learning so much about governance and how schools work and, you know, things that I didn't know, like budgeting, um, school council... I have to write little principal reports for school council and, you know, and making sure my newsletter, letter to the community is done in time. And, you know, there's lots of little, you know, governance that you're doing as a school. There's bushfire preparedness and you've got to manage all of your assets in the school and you've got to check for termites. (laughs) There's A billion things that a principal is sort of organizing madly in the background. And on top of that, you're also doing all of your, you know, curriculum and you're teaching and you're learning and you're improving and you're tracking data and um, there's a lot happening. But at the same time, it's it's been exactly what I thought it was when it came to building relationships and being a positive influence and seeing the good that's already happening in a school. And I think the worst thing a leader can do is to come in and want to change things immediately. I think it's so nice that a leader comes in and just says, hey, I'm here for you. So what do you need? Tell me and just listens and as soon as things come up that need to be done or staff need addressed you do them and it builds this relationship where they think wow this person actually listened to what i said and they've acted on it or you have those conversations and you say what do you need and then you know when when that you discuss those things you say, what out of these things do we think is a priority And working with teachers and i think the benefit has been i've come from a school where uh, my principal and assistant principal have always led with the staff, um, but I have also experienced other leadership, and that's when I've experienced being led at. When you've had people very top down, it's sort of well, this is what we're going to do from now on, and you need to toe the line. And there's a very different uptake, and there's a very different energy and feel in a school. So, yeah, I'm really conscious of the way I speak, and 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 all of that has been really positive, you know, being that person and, and thinking, oh, what kind of leader do I want to be? And then actually having an opportunity to do it. I mean, not everybody gets that. So I'm very grateful.
1: Yeah. Excellent. And has uh, moving to a new school been challenging? And then uh, you mentioned a couple of tips as well before, but uh, what would you give some tips to anyone who's moving a new
0: school? What would you suggest to do as well? Uh, yeah, I think moving moving schools has been really hard in some ways because I came from basically my dream school. So I was already at my dream school and the staff were and are beautiful people. I really love, like I said, I've taught at that school grade one to grade six. I have, you know, a lot of relationships with a lot of staff. So a lot of them are my friends. Um, Then a, a lot of the kids I've taught several times because I've had them in junior school. I've had them in senior school or middle school and, um, they know me really well and the parents are really, you know, connected. And so it's been really tricky extricating myself and the timing wasn't great when this opportunity came up. Um, but I was so surprised at the, both the student and the parent and the staff communities and how they were so supportive, like, Hey, this is a great opportunity, actually. You know, it sucks for us, but good for you. And um yeah, it's just been much more positive than I thought it would be, but I still feel really torn because of my, you know, my that, that mentor that I mentioned before that went into primary teaching, um, she actually is was currently my assistant principal at the school, my leader. Like, so there's this person who in secondary school was the teacher I wanted to be like. She was sort of, you know, in charge of your seven and eight coordinating and she was a very strong teacher, like command any classroom kids loved her but also feared her but also loved her and did everything for her and she had this amazing presence in every classroom um and there she is as my leader as an assistant principal we get to have coffee and walk around i'm the leading teacher so i get a lot of time with leadership and it's sort of my dream job so going and taking a leap into something that you don't know has been very very hard but i've also like you said to you before, I don't want to live the same year twice. And I was getting, I was starting to feel like, Hey, I love where I am and I could stay here for 25 years and I would probably be happy, but I'm not going to feel like at the end of that 25 years, if I look back, I'm not going to feel like I've taken the risks that I want to have taken. And maybe I could have achieved something different. And so, yeah, that's where this opportunity came up and I've, I've moved in that direction and it's felt, like I said, I'm torn, but it has actually felt like I'm moving like a downstream in this rushing river and it feels like I'm going the right direction. You know, sometimes in life, you feel like you're going the other way. It's like yep. you're swimming upstream. You're like, oh, this is really hard. Whereas this has not felt like that. It's been a, a difficult move, but the actual process has been very smooth and it feels like I'm moving in all the right directions and things are really happening for the school that I've moved to. So. Yeah, it feels like the right move, but it's been, it has been tricky, yeah.
1: No, good on you for taking that, not a risk, but taking that opportunity that you were given and and going for it. And yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's going really well, which is awesome to hear.
0: Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess if you're starting at a new school, my tip would be to listen, just be a listener and be a good listener and just sort of pay attention to how things are, but also be very conscious of what you're bringing. And so if you feel like um, you want, if you're a positive person and you have a really positive uh, sense of self, make sure you continue to be that regardless of what's happening at the time. And so that you're just, you can be the difference, but you don't have to be bossy about it. You don't have to tell people you can just um, be that change and people around you respond so well to new people because you're fresh you're different um and that's a really special place to be when you're the you're the special person when you're the fresh one um so yeah it's a real opportunity i think when you're the new person but at the same time the other end would be build relationships like get to know people well and that's also the listening but you know make an effort um get connected to to your new school and see what you can do to help out
1: yeah no great comments there so what kind of impact do you want to have on your new school, even though it's currently an acting role, but what kind of impact do you want to have at your school?
0: So for my school that I'm currently in, it's a small school. It's in the outer eastern um, area, like I mentioned before. And it's an area that there are young families and there's, there is you know, growth in the area, but it is not a high growth area. So to maximise enrolments, so that you secure the future of the school. That's my main goal. To achieve that, I really want to, I guess, raise the profile of the school. It's one that is, you know, it's a it is a stunning school. The SEAL, the senior education improvement leader, who is sort of like my boss and goes around to all different schools in, in the Yarra Valley and the upper Yarra area. You can imagine how beautiful a lot of those schools would be this is her favourite. She comes and she says, man, this is the most beautiful school in Victoria. It is stunning. And so sort of one that people maybe don't know as much about. So my job is to really get it out there into the community, get it out there um, into the, particularly the parent community and highlight the amazing things that are already happening in the school. And then as a staff, we've really been doing like I've introduced, um, which is something the staff wanted to do anyway, learning walks, and we're just exploring PLC and, yeah, moving towards more collaboration. And instantly you just get this gratification because the staff are feeling like, wow, this, this person has listened to why the direction we want to go in. And so I've found some really fun PL um, going into, we just went into Eastwood Primary School. Yeah, shout out to Eastwood Primary School because that school was so welcoming and supportive and shared so many resources. Amazing. Um, Yeah, so we got to go to that school, went through, saw PLC cycles and meetings happening. Um, We were shown, you know, we went on these learning walks ourselves and got to see what classrooms were like, what was happening. We got very inspired. We came back to our own school and just saw, you know, what would work in our context, what would... What would what would it look like at our school? And um, yeah, staff are feeling really invigorated. They're feeling inspired and excited about the future. Um, so my job really is to just raise the profile of the school and to support the staff who are already amazing to have the opportunities and facility and time, more importantly, to kind of really structure that time so that they're getting the time to do all of this kind of exciting stuff. Um, and I'm that person with that whole school perspective and that whole school lens all the time. And one of the things we did was, um, after meeting at Eastwood Primary, we actually went into head office, uh, at the region and this amazing lady, um, Karen Scheel, she's sort of the PLC coordinator for, um, the Northeast Victorian region. And she was fantastic in i guess itemizing all the different things she kind of gave us a great school overview of our our own school and and our strengths and weaknesses and um really it was really powerful and then we were able to set some goals and prioritize them in order and that's what we're doing next term so yeah i think as a leader it's nice to have clear action and then how we're we going to do it let's get it really clear in an order and then off we go together on a journey it's not me telling you you are part of this journey and you need to communicate so yeah that's what we've been doing so i'm hoping i just sort of raise the academic profile of the school um, but also highlight all of the amazing community and everything that's already happening within the school so that's my goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, love it. Sounds really exciting and yeah, I think the school's very lucky to have someone like you who's really passionate and really interested and really wants to do the best job that they can. So I think the school's really lucky to have you, Nathan. No, oh, thank you, Todd. <laughs> and so what was the reason that you decided that you wanted to go down the leadership path?
0: Um, I I think I think every teacher when you ask them about their job, they want more impact all the time, whether it's within their own classroom, whether it's in their own reading group and they're, or, you know, in a PLC cycle, or if they're sitting in a team meeting or whatever it is, I think every time you ask teachers, you know, what the move, why did you do what you did? I think it's always to improve your impact and and to increase your impact. And so when I, uh, I guess initially took on that role at region, that was to have more impact, it was to go into other schools to increase the amount of students that I was impacting um but it's it it's more surface level impact because you are helping some staff to facilitate it but you're not always there for the whole um the whole journey and the whole process so then getting into the school leadership that I was in when I took on sort of a leading teacher or learning specialist I was having more impact in a curriculum focus or I was having more impact on the um, annual, annual implementation plan and setting goals and helping the school to work towards them and tick them off and it feels really good when you're leading a school in the direction that they want to you know wanted to go in. But then again, I, I felt like you know I'm having this great impact in the school I'm in. I'm I love the job that I've got and I love the teachers that I'm working with and particularly the the kids that I've got. But again, I wanted to have more impact. I wanted to change the whole culture of a school or to improve the whole experience of a school. Um, I I was lucky to work, you know, initially in this primary school that was already so amazing, but some aren't, Mm. you know, there are teachers who are incredible people and they're working at schools where there's a lot of negativity or um, their leadership don't communicate well, or they, you know, the leaders in the school don't have empathy (laughs) for the journey that teachers have been on for the last two, three years, where it's been absolutely horrendous through COVID and lockdowns, particularly in Victoria and Melbourne. It was just absolutely just awful. And if you're a leader and you don't, if you don't connect to that and you don't share the empathy and, and share that journey with people, yeah, you really lose touch and then you just don't have any traction and then it gets a very top down feel. So I just wanted to have an opportunity to be the school and to be that positive change. And so yeah, it it is a risk. Like I said before, it's not a risk, but it is a risk. Um, but it's it's like that academic risk that we make kids do all the time. And so I just wanted to yeah, be in a learning pit. I like learning something new and I'm definitely <laughs> definitely feel like I'm in it at the moment. Um, but I'm glorying my way out the other side which is which is good
1: yeah no i think excellent comments there and i couldn't agree more with everything you kind of said so yeah wonderful and then what would be your suggestions for anyone who might be wanting to be maybe an assistant principal or a principal what experiences or pds or readings do you think they should do
0: uh all right so I think the first and foremost, if this is something that you genuinely want, if you think, yeah, I'd really like to be an assistant principal or a principal, well, we both work in Victoria and there are a lot of supports for people who would like to transition into leadership in Victoria. Um, There are some programs you can do to improve your leadership ability. One's called UP. um, And it's a way that you can almost kind of shadow an assistant principal or principal, and then you get time out of your classroom and department pay for CRTs and you just get out. Um, It's a really great opportunity. I didn't do that one, but I've worked with a lot of people who have had that experience. Um, I think be open and honest with your leadership. Talk to them about the fact that you're really interested in leadership and ask them and be prepared for feedback, but ask them, you know, what are some of the things I need to work on if that's a direction I'd like to go in? Um, Because they, you know, if you want to have those rigorous, slightly uncomfortable conversations which I'm always happy to have but um not everybody likes them and yeah taking on that feedback and and really thinking well this might this is not going to happen overnight this is going to be a process and I need to take on feedback filter the feedback when it's not quite appropriate and then I know why but also um you know improve my practice as well and learn the things I need to learn so that I can have those opportunities and I guess it's it's a case of also taking opportunities when they come. Um when if you've got an assistant principal or principal at your school, you know, asking for a bit of a progression in your career, like talk to them and say, I'd love to sort of sit down with you and talk about my career progression and what's next for me and how I can kind of get there. That's a really good conversation because they'll often say, All right, well, at the moment, you know, you might be doing these roles in a school. Have you thought about numeracy leader or have you thought about Um, great you know year level leader Um, and you know after that maybe you work into more of a learning specialist or a leading teacher type role where you're taking over more of the whole school kind of improvement and you maybe you're on the school improvement team and you get more impact over the AIP or you know the annual implementation plan so I think the more whole school you can do the better because it gives you more insight into how schools work um but other than that i think some maybe some pl or reading that's been really powerful i think so brene brown and her dare to lead so and that is actually the victorian government now run a brene brown <laughs> dare to lead program through the academy which i didn't even know about but um i just read it through a book club and it was very good uh but she it's all about just that leaders are allowed to be imperfect and vulnerable. And that is actually very powerful when you can say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I am going to step up and lead, but I need you to do it with me and I need you to help me. And so, uh, and even if you fail, you're out there in that arena. And that is already enough for people to, to want to follow you and want to, be part of what you're doing. So she's she's been really great to read. I think she's really powerful. Um, oh, other leaders. There's a great book called Thrive by Arianna Huffington. So she's the person who invented or started Huffington Post. Um, Greek background, uh, American, you know, now, and she is just this powerhouse. And she fell for the lie. That to be successful you need to be busy and need to burn out. Like there's a real badge of honor when you burn out in leadership. Like you work late, you you late emails, and you you know you lose touch with your family. And there's this got a real badge of honor that I live for my job. And she fell for that to the point where she literally fainted and fell and hit her head on her desk and bled out on in her office. In this you know she's one of the richest women in the world and men in you know with people in the world. And here she is working herself to death and she realized that that's not success success is also this sort of fourth pillar of her life it wasn't just the money and the, and and whatever else she was doing and the impact in this you know leadership she had it was the wellness and her her connection to herself and her family and so i have very much taken a lot of that on and i think any leader who wants to get into leadership should read her book because it's i have a very good not that you ever have a good work life balance because your life is your work and your work is your life but I make time for my family and I make time for the things that fill my cup and I'm always in the garden on the weekend and I've you know you've probably seen me posting my kids cubby on the weekends and like I make time for that because I refuse to burn out I will not burn out and the reason I won't burn out is because I prioritize I'm I am not my job I am more than that but I'm also really good at my job and I can't be good at my job if I'm not happy in my own life and I'm not well. So I think, yeah, that's probably another really powerful book because it helps you see that you don't, you don't have to be that burnout or that person, you know, chained to their laptop to be a good leader. Just don't. Mm. You're allowed to um, be a leader who says, you know what, my kid's sick. I'm taking a day off and I'm not going to feel guilty about it or I'm not well. And I'm taking a day now, so I don't take five days later because I've completely burnt myself to the ground. And I thought by coming in sick and coughing, like every teacher feels like they just have this guilt and it means like I need to be there. And then you may you have even more damage to your classroom because you you're away for even longer. So I think, yeah, taking on all of that makes you an even better leader. So if you're thinking about leadership, read those books and and definitely talk to your current leadership too
1: yeah, great advice. What we'll do is we'll put uh, those books and I'll put all the information you're kind of saying into the show notes. so people can just click on okay. that. so we'll we'll add that to that, which will be awesome. So thanks, Nathan. Beautiful. So, yep. are you missing being in the classroom?
0: Yes, I do still teach. So I'm currently teaching uh, every Friday, I'm either in the prep to two classroom or the seniors five six classroom. so that's a whole day there. and then, Um, I basically get another day and a half, but spread out over these four days doing, um, high achievers literature circles. Um, I get to do the tutor learning initiative. So, you know, getting their groups of kids, um, we're doing numeracy at the moment and focusing on number, uh, all the four processes. And so I'm gathering data, I'm giving that back to the teachers. So I'm getting, I'm getting my little hit. of teaching in the classroom and and seeing students improve which is like that drug that all teachers love they just they get that you know so much satisfaction from um seeing students improve and and seeing their learning happen so yeah I definitely feel like I'm not missing the teaching and learning but I'm missing my grade like I missed the grade that I left and and the you know the individuals that I had and, and the families that I was part of so yeah I definitely miss them but I'm also still getting a bit of teaching so it's good I was
1: going to say, kind of getting the best of both worlds to <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and then getting to do a little bit of teaching as well, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. And I know we were talking about a little bit about this before. Advice for teachers to build some positive uh, relationships with parents. Have you got some advice there?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, number one, be proactive. <laughs> so if you immediately see something that needs to be spoken about, do not wait for parent-teacher interview and do not wait for a report to go out uh please make sure you're talking to parents early um yeah and another one would be know the kid like really know the kid and when you talk to the parent tell them how they are like tell them exactly what they're like in the classroom um all their all their little quirks and that that is what the parents love because they realize you actually know their kid like you know them the the very unique individual that they are so when you know You talk to um a parent and you think oh that's just irrelevant i'm not gonna not gonna bring that up bring it up like say to them oh yeah like you know they're always in the sandpit and they they just never want to leave it and they're always i don't know some game that they play and if you mention those little things that you know about those kids instantly you build these relationships with the parents so i think they're the the best things to do yeah
1: Awesome advice. Yeah, agree there 100%. And then how how do you go about balancing your teaching career? We were kind of talking about this as well before. Uh, balancing your teaching career and also being a dad.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, it's a challenge, particularly when they're little. Like I have never been tired like I was tired with the birth of my second child. <laughs> oh, she's aged me so much. Um, but the yeah i think i think that the the way to think about it is that life is is like this really fluid thing and there's no nothing is ever stale and stagnant or nothing there's there's never a time in your life where people everything will just be 50 50 it's just not true and um people have had those i'm sure you've listened to podcasts and people have spoken to this you know before but yeah, just realizing that life kind of ebbs and flows and sometimes you've got a lot on in work and sometimes you've got a bit more time, a bit more flexibility. And so you just kind of accept the fact that you're going to sort of ebb and flow. Um, communication with your partner, you know, really important. So when things are going to be pretty hectic or full on, and sometimes I'm not very good at this and I'm sure my wife, if she listens to this, will be like, what are you talking about? You never tell me. Um, but that does help a lot. Like if you're communicating well, your partner and um if you you know have that other person that is relying on you to sort of tell them when things are going to be really hectic and then tell them when things are going to be a bit more free because you can kind of balance each other out um just when i get home i'm just sad so it's we're playing we're i'm cooking we're eating we're you know we're in the lounge room i'm reading books before bed and then when they get to sleep that's also time to reconnect to my partner because you know i haven't seen them and the kids make you so tired can't even describe (laughs) describe it um but you know sometimes that's just us staring at our phones watching murder she wrote catch up on channel (laughs) nine for an hour before we finally you know come out of this zombie phase and say oh do you want to make a cup of tea oh yeah and then so you know chatting and whatever but um yeah i think just making time for family when you are with family and then prioritizing and sometimes you do have stuff to do on the weekend so just say right i need an hour i need two hours i'm going to do this and then if i don't finish it well too bad just going to have to not be finished um or i can set another do another hour on sunday maybe when the kids go to bed so just maximizing the time when you're not with those responsibilities yeah yep no
1: awesome great advice and uh i kind of met you and got to see everything you're kind of doing on instagram have you enjoyed being on instagram and sharing
0: i i can't tell you i can't tell you how much i love this community um it's bizarre because like you and i are meeting right now and chatting but i already feel like i know you (laughs) um i've forgotten your friend's name i listen to your podcast with him Uh, joe 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 and i just remember i was like joe has the best mustache of anyone i've ever seen and then um it's so funny like you just see these people on instagram and then i'm listening to this um podcast with him and now I just feel like I know him and um and I think Instagram's a really friendly place I think there's some dark parts of the internet but Instagram tends to remain quite friendly and then within that that framework you have the teacher Instagram like the teacher Graham and that is even more friendly um because people get into that job because they like kids and they like families and they like education and they like learning um, and often they like craft <laughs> and they're all pretty fun people. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really, really great thing. And it's led to so many opportunities, so like obviously meeting people on podcasts and having great conversations, but, um, you know, the opportunities to work with different organizations or people and, um, you know, I ended up on TV, you know, an ad, I never thought that would happen, so, you know, for the Department of Education, and so all of these things came about due to having an instagram and and it just gives you a platform to connect to literally thousands of people um and I think the best part about it, apart from the amazing people, is the fact that you're in people's classrooms, which you for how many years you weren't able to really do, and now I'm in classrooms all over the world, and it's so helpful to steal their ideas. <laughs> and use them in your own class you're like oh, i'm doing that and they just save it on instagram and then you come back later and nine times out of ten if you take like just this week um a teacher had this amazing activity and so i said oh can you just tell me a bit more about the process of this And straight away they wrote this you know huge message and this is what i did step by step and let me know how you go and if, it's like where else do you get that? So it is like a giant suffering we're all just in it and we're not perfect and we have bad days Um, but we, yeah, we're educators and we love what we do and we just want to share. So I love it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a amazing community. Like I feel like Bridie and I kind of only just jumped on board like two or three years ago, but yeah, as you're saying, it's so positive. It's so, um yeah we've learned so much we get so many great ideas i feel like i've met so many new people and people that i haven't and a lot of people i haven't met before but i feel like i've got a bit of a connection like when your ad popped up on tv oh i know nathan but i I I know know him him (laughs)
0: Oh, you do you do yeah (laughs) Yeah, just
1: as you say and you even so um everyone encourages each other which is lovely
0: yes and that was something that you know just sort of shout out to you and Bridie as well um, all through COVID, it was, you know, it was hard. And I was pretty honest about how that process went um and shared a lot of that, you know, journey on Instagram. And so many times you or Bridie on your um Instagram would touch base and say, Hey, just want to say we love what you're doing or you're doing a great job or something really positive. And, you know, you weren't alone. There were other people who did that and it just really makes a difference to your day. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love this community. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And what's one teaching resource you couldn't live without?
0: Oh, so hard. I know um, Aaron, like Mr. J's learning space has always talked about um, mini whiteboards, but I just, like I have, I definitely use them, but it's not something that I use all the time. I guess for me, oh, I think it's, I think it's writing feedback. I just can't live without that really clear you know, student goal setting type um, writing feedback where so you meet with the kid and you read their work and there's, it gives you a framework to give them very valid feedback. And then immediately you see this real improvement in their writing. Um, like I've used VCOP or um, Android Criterion Scales and things like that. They give you a very distinct goal setting and then you just see massive improvement um, in an area. So I think, yeah, um, goal setting. I'll go goal setting... Um, yeah, templates and performance.
1: Yep. yep. Awesome. Love it. And before we finish today, uh, Nathan, are you happy to play yes. a quick little game? Oh, sure. Awesome. This is called One Word with Todd. So, I'll just
0: <laughs> the first thing that
1: comes to your mind.
0: Okay, okay. I haven't given you the answers prior to, so. No, no, I'm nervous. I feel like I'm, it's like a, a Freudian, like, psychotherapy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'll be judged as well. No. You're right. Okay. Uh, First one is coffee. Need. Like it. Teaching. Challenging. Staff meeting. Flat. <laughs> uh, yard duty. Yellow. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll get the connection there.
0: Uh, <laughs> holidays. Sea, as in the ocean.
1: Yes, Yep. like it. Uh, staff room.
0: Gray. <laughs> That's horrible, but my guy the classroom is actually grey. I say so the staff room is genuinely painted grey with grey chairs. Yep. It's not a it's not a metaphorical gray. <laughs> uh professional learning. Reading. Instagram?
1: Fun. I know that uh you get uh, around this quite a bit and it's on your Instagram. We should uh we'll do a little shout out to your Instagram in a minute though, but uh dancing. Real <laughs> And you mentioned this before, gardening, green. Oh, yeah. I have. There's
0: a lot of colours.
1: Yeah, you do. A lot of colours. Yeah, <laughs> What's going on with um, me? And I'm gonna. You have to pick between two here. If okay. You have to pick between like a craft beer or gin. What are you picking?
0: Oh, that's very hard. Um, gin.
1: Oh, I thought you would go with a gin. So I, I got you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well done, Nathan. I'll give you the win. I loved all the different colours that were coming from. I don't
0: know why I was that's really oh, I'm gonna to have to Google the psychotherapy or some psych yeah, some what do you call it? Like a some explanation for my colour association. That's very weird.
1: Hmm. <laughs> I Loved it. Um and before we finish today, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Nathan, how can they get in contact with you?
0: Oh, easiest way is Instagram. Like if you just follow me on Mr. Vandermond. Um DM me through there or, yeah, or if you're in the Department of Education, you can find me very easily by typing in my name into the Outlook search bar. You'll find me very quickly. So, yeah, get in touch.
1: Awesome. And yeah, that'll be the end of the podcast. But Nathan, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I've, um, as I said, I've enjoyed kind of following your journey over the last uh, kind of two or three years. And it's been wonderful seeing your progress from being in the teaching area and then kind of going into leading teaching and now as an acting principal. I love your passion and energy. um, And it's something that I try and bring into my teaching every day. So I feel like I've connected with you kind of how you go about your teaching to my teaching. So, yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on today and hearing about your journey and actually getting to meet you, not so much face-to-face, but honestly, <laughs> and hopefully at some stage we can kind of catch up for a, a beer or a gin at some stage. And, um, yeah, just keep up the wonderful job you're doing and, yeah, all the best with the acting principal role that you're doing. But, yeah, thank you for coming on
0: the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And um, thanks for giving teachers yet another platform where we can be heard. Um, because so many times teachers are spoken about in the media, but it's really nice to have an opportunity to, you know, for people or, you know, to talk to you, but also for people to hear teachers and hear what it's like to be in a classroom. So thanks for thanks for that platform too.
1: Awesome. Well, not too many more days until our holidays. So uh, right. enjoy your break, a very well-earned break, and uh, <laughs> look forward to catching up with you really soon. All right. Thanks, Todd. Awesome. Thanks, Nathan. See you later. Bye. And that is the end of the 28th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed having Nathan come on as much as I did. It was wonderful hearing about his teaching career and now what he's doing in a leadership capacity at his new school. It was really insightful and engaging conversation. So thank you so much again, Nathan, for coming on to the podcast today. And I cannot wait for you to join me in a couple of weeks' time for the next episode of the Toddcast. See you later.